0: Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock. And once again, joined by Wei Ting, live from Japan, live for me, taped for you. How are you, Wei? Live for you, but taped for me? Well, this is happening live for me. You're joining me live as we speak. But for everyone else, they're hearing this probably several hours, maybe even days after you were live.
1: It would me. be quite something. It would be quite something if if you were recording live and I was doing my part completely pre-recorded. And I was just so you
0: like a like a WWE promo where someone's on the Titantron and the guy in the ring has to react in real time to taped comments. Exactly. Do you know how hard like, I don't that know, would
1: be? I don't know if they still do that. I, they must, right? Like this sometimes the occasional like, time
0: it happens. It's very rare. But there have been some
1: atrocities when they have attempted that. Yeah, I, well, I'm surprised like there haven't been fuck-ups that, that have been worse because so, so many things can go wrong when you're trying to talk to like a pre-recorded tape.
0: Well, that would be really tough to do, but maybe for your next vacation, you could
1: pre-tape, pre-tape an entire
0: track just <laughs> anticipating everything. You could just have like generic comments where I could do the whole match rundown, and then we could mm-hmm. have you with like
1: mm, – Mm -hmm. there have been some some of our shows where where i've pretty much just said those things and uh yeah at that point you might as well just have a soundboard of just like me going yeah that was good nice i would i would more
0: enjoy us doing the the banter at the beginning of the show and it being your comments that have been pre-taped not even knowing what topics i might throw at you
1: it would, it, you know what, it, it feels like it would be more work just preparing that than actually, like, coming in to do the show. Yeah, there's all, it's an awful idea, but yeah. one that, uh, well, you suggest... Maybe, maybe, maybe technology will catch up eventually, and it'll be easy to do that.
0: Well, the, the thing is, it, technology has gone so much in the other direction where it's much easier to do this live than it would be uh, our idiot idea.
1: I guess so. I mean, yes, we, I guess We could so.
0: do this right now on on
1: YouTube live at the moment. Yeah, really. Yeah, we could It's very simple. Yeah. I've I've come to realize it could really be anywhere and we could do the show.
0: You so never maybe I'll, you I'll never stay. have to see me again.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Thank God.
0: How was Tuesday in Japan? Or right, Wednesday now, but how was your Tuesday cuz that's
1: my Tuesday. So right? right at Right after we recorded, I I, I went out. I had uh, a nice lunch, and then um, I I tried to go so, suit shopping in Japan. Okay. Um, and uh, you ever like you've done that for your wedding, right? I did. I didn't go yeah, to Japan for one though, but no, I have gone you have shopping. A very, you had a very nice suit. You had a, you had a very nice suit for your wedding, which you still which you still do have. Yes. Um. But, like, I don't know what the process was like for you, but I always feel like I I felt bad that I was taking up this dude's time. Like, like I'm asking – like I didn't even ask for that much. Like, I asked him to try this on, and then, like, I asked him if I could try, like, a dress shirt on, and then I asked him if I could try a vest on, and he had to kind of dig everything up. Um But I felt bad that I was taking up his time because, like, dude, this, this shit was, like, expensive. This was, like, north of, like, a thousand bucks. Oh, wow. And I knew I was – I wasn't going to necessarily make a decision right then and there, but I did want to at least like see what I looked like in it. Um,
0: well, wait. Anyway. The last time I bought my suit, it was ahead of my wedding. Are you trying to make an announcement no, no. here? Are you trying to tell us something? Uh, let
1: what me are tell you. you, in you Japan Jean, for people wear suits for a lot more than just weddings. Okay. Well, then. I mean, I mean, I, at least like you know, for us, like even if you weren't getting married. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we're we're getting to the age now where we should start to kinda dress like, you know, professional a bit, a
0: podcasters. Bit. We should be doing exactly. our suits
1: and suits. Totally, exactly. It's uh it's kind of the like you know what like when a baby face turns heel. <laughs> Is that what we've done? I, well not necessarily, but I don't know. Uh well whatever, whatever. I, I just need a new suit, basically. And uh, I, I thought it would be a good time. But unfortunately, a, a lot of places, I guess, close somewhat early. So I don't know. It's, it's, I'm still debating on it. The, the thing is, too, like you can get a $1,000 suit. There are places that also offer like $200 suits. And, and is the difference that much? I, there's still so much that I'm, I'm trying to learn about the process. So um, I, I haven't made up my mind either way.
0: Well, if there's any tailors out there, maybe they can reach way and let him know uh, what he should be looking for.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love some advice. Well then, how was your day?
0: Uh, my day was okay. Um, not as uh, exciting as yours. Going out suit shopping. Um, I, actually, it was a, it was a pretty dull day to be honest. It was just. Uh, it was Tuesday. Went out for a while. I watched SmackDown tonight. How have you? How
1: have you? How have you been? Enjoying the transition out of like full time nine to five to whatever this is. <laughs> Unemployment. Unemployment, basically. <laughs> uh
0: the the first week was tremendous. The first week was outstanding. Uh I loved it. Um and it wasn't even so much that it was like free time because I mean you and I were were pretty busy mm-hmm. that week doing other stuff. And that's kind of what I've been filling my time with. Uh now I'm in kind of just a I just feel I'm in this weird purgatory at the moment where I'm uh removed from one uh part of my work life and not quite at my next one. I can see what next is, but I'm not there yet. So I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little I'm a little antsy now. Now I'm getting a little uh like I don't need all this uh this time. So right. I'm, I'm trying to use it for other uh work purposes so to speak but with you gone I, some things are on hold so i i, I just, mean i would i uh, uh, yeah sorry, i'm ahead. in the i'm in the upside down right now
1: well i would say embrace it you know and enjoy the the kind of un, uncertainty and really if you have a bit of free time you can try to enjoy the free time i i know it's something i try to tell myself recording a podcast watching pro wrestling um in japan but um no, like, I, 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 you know, I, I feel like, in the end, everything probably won't turn out that terribly, and in fact, maybe even good. So, you know, maybe a year from now we'll, we'll listen to these podcasts and be like, "Wow, look how much we've advanced," or maybe we'll be like, "God, were we wrong? We were so hopeful. What a bunch we were of so morons." <laughs> yeah. Well, well
0: it's fun though. It's a, a this is I th- I feel a very uh, it's a worthwhile experience that I think everyone should go through.
1: I look at it. Uh, what do you mean, unemployment? I, I think this entire
0: uh, that aspect, but it's also uh, this transition. Like I, I've never been fired in my life, so I I find that this is a experience that I actually am enjoying going through. I think it's much like uh, sure, like, like if you got. I don't know if you've ever been dumped. I have. I think that's a great experience to go through. In hindsight, mm-hmm. I think everyone should. I think everyone should go through that. But I'm stuck right yeah. now. That's all I can say right now. I'm very stuck right now, and it's getting a little.
1: Right. Uh, anyway, that's it. Hmm. How about you? You're, you're on a vacation. You, you seem to be. Well, I haven't. I haven't really experienced it yet. Like right, uh, like a week after all that stuff happened like i i was sent here so i i haven't kind of had my daily routine like i haven't experienced what my new daily routine is really like yet so i'll let you know maybe in like two weeks
0: okay you'll give us an update yeah i can tell you that part of my day was uh spent watching the 24 documentary on bill goldberg which i'm going to talk about later And you're free to stick around way, but you might. Of course I will. I don't
1: want to eat
0: up all your day here. You're in the. No, not at all. It's it's I want to hear about it. It's noon where you are. I don't want this is like your prime vacation time at this
1: point. I'm actually I'm actually uh, set to meet up with Damien later. Oh, are you see what to see what he's up to? He's doing a bunch of crazy shit. I I probably I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about or not, but it's you'll people will hear about it eventually. But yeah, he's up to no good here.
0: Way too much stuff that people just aren't allowed to talk about yeah well hmm. anyway say, say hello to damien for me
1: please we will do yeah
0: um before we start i want to i want to mention our good pal jason agnew's uh show that is going down friday night that way will not be attending it is survivor strikes on friday night at ten thirty p.m at the comedy bar in downtown toronto at nine forty-five, 45 bloor street west so come check it out it's always a fun show santino morella is going to be playing rj city will be playing our friend Nug- Nargang, Marty. Adams. They're
1: both leading. They're both leading teams, right? Santino's leading one, and
0: uh, is RJ is leading it, a uh, team?
1: No, I don't, I don't think. think it's RJ. I think it's like Santino and um, Gary. Gary, yeah, the guy who owns Comedy Bar. Yes. So it's like. Uh, does he own Comedy Bar? Sorry, I, I'm, yes, I'm he screwing owns owns all Comedy this up. Yes, he owns Comedy Bar. Yes. Oh,
0: he so does. He opened oh, it okay. a, a decade ago. So it's kind of right. like. Uh, like he's the McMahon of the operation, so he's he's put himself on top here.
1: I get it. So it's like, is,
0: is it going it's, to be it's five exactly five. like Survivor Series, kind of?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed. Like I've missed the last three or four of these that he, that he's done. Yeah,
0: you're a bad uh, friend.
1: No, I'm just like if, I'm. If I'm always out of town. You as a friend any longer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Uh, but but I, I'm actually really disappointed because the one time I did go, it was like it, like I've been to a number of Jay's uh, strike shows and they're always fun. But wrestling themed improv is incredible if you're a wrestling fan. Like it's just a bunch of inside jokes and you have like some incredibly quick witted people, including Santino. do well, actually I've never seen Santino, but Nug is is fucking awesome. RJ is awesome at that. At Improv and at Pro Wrestling Improv. So, like, and you get a wrestling crowd in there. I mean, I, I wish more people could see it outside of, like, Toronto even. I, I, I mean, I feel like Jay should, like, stream these shows or something. He should.
0: He should. We, we should be on YouTube Live at this moment way.
1: Yeah, or Twitch.
0: Yeah, or, Twi- or Twitch. Well, that's coming up on Friday night. So if you're in Toronto or you want to just uh, get into your car and make a lengthy road trip, uh, you can do so. On Friday night at the Comedy Bar. Our good pals at the Comedy Bar. Are you ready to chat about Smackdown, Way, I am. The show started off with a pep rally. I felt like I was at Bayside High here. Where uh, Shane Morris was uh, standing up there with uh, the whole locker room in front of him. And he says that this... A pep sm- rally. A pep rally. Yeah. You I've never... I've never we no, never had them. Never. I only saw them on television shows.
1: Uh, we never had that.
0: We so. had no pep in our high school, so we didn't rally about anything. We, there was very I mean, little, uh,
1: we had, a, we had assemblies. I've never been invited to something that was called a pep rally. I don't even know what that means.
0: Like, well, that's when you're all, uh, you have some big sports team or something like that. We, we really, at our, our high school, we had, our big thing was we had a rugby team. We didn't have football we didn't have a whole actually we had a hell of a ping pong team i heard i hear
1: of course you you had a ton of asians in your school right what a what a stereotype you're thrusting but but it's true you well, lived in a, like a chinese neighborhood
0: well uh i was never on the uh the ping pong team and i did play while. chinese, rugby chinese for people once are amazing started. at ping pong well if you if you say so, like I can't make they a are. comment like that, you can, I,
1: so I'll you, take your you word can, for it no, you can you could say it too. I think it's factual when you look at like <laughs> the table tennis like Olympics, like Chinese kill it. there's no doubt about it well i guess I guess that would be a, a that's an
0: observation way that that you were gonna make All right. Did you ever play ping pong
1: um like for fun, yeah. Not you, not professional. Good at no, I suck.
0: Well then, there I'm you also. you have ju- just I'm blowing also, your stereotype out the window.
1: Okay, but I could say Canadians are good at hockey. Like, is that is that stereotypical? Like, well, not I, every. I mean, you're Canadian.
0: not into too much bad territory when you're labeling an entire uh, uh, country, country. Or that's what I'm saying. As good that's at something, however, you can get into dangerous territory by doing that as well. That's all I'm saying. I'm just looking up for your best. Oh, uh, all right, all right, fine, fine. So the pep rally featured everyone here, including Baron Corbin, who was looking like the high school jock that was just, he looked like an idiot here. Shane says that the SmackDown locker room accomplished what no other SmackDown roster has when they took Raw, hashtag under siege. They're going to be the dominant brand after Sunday, no longer called the B-Show, but they will be V-Show. Owens and Zayn were conveniently positioned in the back, not caring about any of this. So they were back on television this week. Becky and Corbin took turns speaking. And then Shane brings up how Raw has added Triple H, but they've added John Cena. He says their champions will dominate. They won't be stopped by Kurt Angle, Stephanie, or The Shield. The New Day has accepted The Shield's challenge. They start a chant of SmackDown Rocks as everyone starts clapping and dancing together. This was That's cool.
1: Right. Uh, this was cool. You're being sarcastic.
0: I just thought so many of these people they just came across like
1: I know really dorky. <laughs> no, this was. I mean, this is kind of what we the discussion we've had since day one, right? The fact that like with the with the flick of a switch, everybody's all of a sudden kind of like rallying behind this unknown cause. And doing it so blindly and so, I don't know, with so much commitment. Um, I, I, I do at least appreciate the fact that they haven't—they haven't, they haven't kind of um, fluctuated from that. They've they've committed to themselves going this route, and they've committed all four or five weeks. Uh, you know, you're seeing this same level of just kind of like, uh, rah rah, go team you know type of mentality from from everybody involved uh even up until this point so at least seeing something like this having shane you know talk to the troops kind of at least gives a little bit of context to some of those backstage attacks um to me like maybe it it almost like i wanted to see them actually like bond like doing something like i would have loved to to see them at the end of this like speech break off into like a karaoke session because like they already have like mics and like a stage already set up yeah so like you know like shane just like broke into like some like i don't know like he does this song (laughs) dude that that's the greatest thing ever that'd be amazing them doing or them doing the theme songs of other people in karaoke night just to show some team unity come on that would have just made this perfect
0: Maybe uh, Becky Lynch and Baron Corbin could have a budding romance. She could be like the Molly Ringwald of The Breakfast Club, and she's going to be... She looks like her. I know.
1: And Baron wow. Corbin is just the... Judd, Judd Apatow. Yeah, Judd Apatow. Sorry, was that his name? No, no it's not. I'm just Judd ignoring. Judd Nelson or yeah. whatever. Yes. Judd Nelson. Yes. It's a Judd. Yeah.
0: So maybe, that, maybe right. that was something that they, they missed.
1: I think, I think like if, if this show had another hour, it's something that, that they could have done. Maybe on the kickoff. We'll see it.
0: So that was our open. Then Daniel Bryan came out to the ring, and he replayed the attack by Kane on Raw. He says he's lucky to be standing here. He says it was partially his fault because he didn't tell anyone he was going to Raw and said that just like SmackDown – we don't stay down. He's got the attitude that the whole locker room does. We come back and hit you twice as hard when we get back up. Raw's afraid and embarrassed because their anniversary is coming up, and they were just ransacked. Brian did not agree with Shane's plan to go invade Raw and says there is a good chance that Raw will counterattack tonight. So don't be like Alexa Bliss and PVR this show and ignore it on your television. He says they will be ready tonight. He's proud of their show and all the performers. Notes the addition of John Cena and then brings out the new champion, AJ Styles. So Styles comes out, and I don't know what was going on tonight, but this happened with AJ, and it happened later with the New Day, where either there was some audio problem or this crowd just doesn't know how to chant in unison. Did you notice this? Um...
1: Hmm, not necessarily.
0: They were they were like chanting AJ Styles, but it just sounded completely off. Like one half of the arena was chanting and the other was like completely off key and it was just this collision of chanting and it happened later with the New Day. So I don't know what was happening here, but it happened twice on this show.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, I I did not notice. Um maybe like I I suppose that happens when it's kind of tough to hear what the other side of the arena is chanting when you're surrounded by people that are chanting in sync with yourself. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know why it was particular to this arena at this time. I don't know.
0: Brian says that they treat their champions better on SmackDown and offers Styles his own personal advocate just for tonight. So Brian cuts a promo as AJ's advocate. Brian says he he, he
1: he he does a Paul Heyman impression basically, yes, he like in the, in that the style.
0: Introduction of AJ, yeah. and then says he agreed with Heyman's five points except for point F five about AJ being brutalized, victimized, and conquered by Lesnar. He puts over the size of Lesnar, but Lesnar has a tendency to quit, like he quit the WWE in two thousand and four, and quit to a half ass knee bar in a UFC fight. Man. Fuck Frank Mir.
1: Man, I, I thought that was a great line. And to me, like I don't know about you, John, but like I listened to, to Brian cut this promo and it almost felt like it was Daniel Bryan cutting a promo for himself for his own fantasy dream match against Brock Lesnar. Because I'd find like a line like that about a half-ass knee, half knee bar from, from you know a, a jiu-jitsu practitioner like Daniel Bryan. I could see it coming from him directly. You know, as something maybe he thought of.
0: Or Robert in, Drysdale did when he was training with with Brian.
1: Sure. Yeah, why not? But Brian, like, got into this so much that it just made me want to see Brock versus Brian. Well, I want was, to see AJ versus Brock, too, but...
0: That was where know. they were going for SummerSlam the year he won the title in 2014. I mean, that was the plan, was that Lesnar would beat Brian for the title at SummerSlam, and that was when Brian had to give up the title, and it ended up being John Cena in the match where he was massacred by Lesnar, but I'm sure I mean, that was a big match that Brian wanted, and
1: I'm sure he had some
0: promo material for that match, knowing that it was a a big match
1: for him to have. He talked about it on Total Bellas uh, when when he was still pre-retirement, where he was trying to work on a new style that was uh, geared towards facing somebody like Brock Lesnar. So, Man, like I'm trying to think of like, did you uh, see the quote from an interview he did recently where he said there's, there's like an
0: 85 percent chance he'll wrestle again, but only a 20 percent chance that the WWE will allow him to wrestle yeah. in their ring?
1: Yeah, it was uh, bust, turning bust, into bust, a Scott
0: Steiner promo, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a busted open radio where he did yes. that. Um, and then uh, so but I have to figure, you know, on his list of. Number of main opponents that he would like to have matches with in the WWE. I think there's a lot of them now, but I'm sure Brock Lesnar is probably at the very top.
0: So he goes on and he says, Anytime that Lesnar got uncomfortable or pushed into deep water, he quits. And Styles will push Lesnar into deep waters. Lesnar's going to get tired and he'll mentally quit. He might be big, but he can't keep up with AJ and he only has to give one reason to watch this on sunday it's so that you can see a six foot three 285 pound beast mentally beaten and conquered by the best in-ring performer of this generation which is quite the accolade for daniel bryan to bestow upon aj styles and Styles says he can talk not a Uh, styles then takes the microphone saying he can talk he's not above speaking like brock is and he agrees he's the underdog he says this is not a rocky movie but an aj styles production and we'll find a way to beat lesnar and prove this is the a show and the house that aj styles built
1: yeah i thought aj did a good job with the limited airtime he had i i actually i personally would have loved to hear him cut a more substantial promo um but I thought Brian here did a good job, and I think overall they've done a good job carrying on the momentum of that, the hype of that match in the one week that they've given themselves.
0: I thought this was a great segment. I really liked this. I thought Brian was great. I thought AJ came across like a a real champion here. He he mm-hmm. He really conveyed the part, and yeah, this is a huge match for Sunday. I think they've done a great job with the limited time they've had to build it, that it's just a match that people are excited from from the jump to see this match. They don't have to do a whole lot, but I liked what they did on both shows this week to build it up with the respective promos. Mm -hmm. After the break, Styles meets Jinder Mahal, and Mahal says that after Lesnar beats him, it will be nothing compared to when Mahal beats him in their rematch, and Styles just walks away. And that was the only involvement of Jinder Mahal in this entire show. It looks like he's he's not going to have a match at Survivor Series. He's could show up, but he's got no role on Sunday as of right now. Mm-hmm. And I hope same it's goes- not getting involved in this match. I think that would be such a shitty out for that match to have Jinder get involved and cost AJ the match.
1: Well, you have all these outliers on both shows in like uh, Jinder and Sammy versus and Kevin Owens. Um and, and I could see all of them playing some role in the outcomes of of I don't know their respective feuds on 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 the pay per view. Um, so I would almost bank on it, but I they don't need to do it. Absolutely, they they don't. Like I think, hopefully, they recognize that this is a match that hardcores are really looking forward to, and if you can let just a a. a a good finish with the uninterrupted un- 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 with, like, shenanigans. Um, I think you leave everybody that much happier and satisfied after watching the show.
0: So afterwards, we ha- we go to Baron Corbin and Sin Cara for the United States title. And Sin Cara kicks the left knee of Corbin, sends him to the floor, and they go to the break. Corbin is in control when they come back, and Sin Cara fires back with punches and kicks, clotheslines Corbin to the floor, and then a- hits a suicide dive sincar gets caught with the deep six kicks out at two and then corbin gets sent over the top rope and Sankara lands a moonsault off the turnbuckle to the floor he misses coming off the top and then Sankara turns around and gets hit with the end of days so baron retains and our dream match is intact for sunday it will be baron corbin
1: versus the miz yeah when you look at that show i mean outside of the kickoff matches I'm trying to think. Even outside of like Enzo and Kalisto, is that is that a match? Is that one of the matches? Uh,
0: Enzo and Kalisto, that's yeah. on the kickoff.
1: Okay, but I would say like I would put Miz and Corbin even below Enzo and Kalisto in terms of my own personal interest level. Um, nonetheless, you know whatever. It's a match that doesn't really have much effect either way, and I don't think it's worth you know taking the belt off of either guy simply for a more attractive matchup when I feel like. I don't know. They kind of had their sights set on pushing both guys. So, I I will say like I I personally am, I'm impressed with what they've done in the month with Sinkara here. You the fact that they've managed to fill 3 to 4 weeks of TV time by simply using a C lister like Sinkara as an opponent for Corbin and not have it be completely terrible and boring, I think that's an accomplishment. I think Sinkara gained something, you know. They, I, they have no intention of pushing him, but The fact that they were able to use him as a credible challenger for Baron Corbin in three to four weeks. I think that's a a feat.
0: Okay, so we've been talking for 27 minutes, and I've just been getting you in one ear of my headphones, and then I just adjusted this. My headphones weren't fully plugged in, so now you sound so much clearer.
1: Okay, Um, well. it's
0: uh, It's like you were outside my window, and now you're sitting next to me.
1: Okay, well, I'm glad you figured that out. Next, I'll show you how to screenshot a note from your notes so that you can upload to Instagram and Twitter. Shut up. And we'll ha- we'll handle technology one, one bit at a time. You should see some of my
0: my video editing skills, way. They would blow you oh, I'd away. I'd love to. <laughs> do you I think do you, you know bl- how to make a? Do you know what you would do if half your video? got processed and then the rest was just audio without any video
1: left no idea what you what would you do i would put text up on the the screen (laughs) (laughs) i think you should just make that video public man i think i think it's really funny let's move on okay
0: brian's in his office shane walks in welcomes him back i guess they haven't talked in weeks since kane nearly murdered him Shane thanks Brian for his support and stresses the need for cohesion amongst all of them on Sunday. And Brian agrees and says they need to have a talk after Survivor Series. Shane says a talk. Brian says, you never ran the hashtag under siege by me. And I risked my health going to Raw. And it's about cohesion. And Brian ends up leaving. So, I don't know. These two might be headed for a divorce.
1: Right. They're at odds. I... To me, I think this is the best storyline that's come out of this entire Survivor Series thing. The fact that you have Daniel Bryan who plays sort of a classic liberal type who wants to show that he supports his country and their military but doesn't agree with the war, attacking first, yes, and doesn't necessarily agree with the war because he knows the repercussions of war, the repercussions of retaliation of which he's directly felt. So, I think it's this type of depth of character that I really would have liked to have seen in some of the individual members of the locker room rather than, than just getting an all encompassing, yeah, go team type of attitude that everybody all of a sudden seems to possess. Um, eh, their excuse might be that they don't have enough time to develop everybody. But I, I just, at, at my age, I, I appreciate deeper storytelling like that. And at least, you know, this Brian character seems to be embodying some of it. I find it really fascinating.
0: Yeah, and I mean, with Daniel Bryan, I mean, kind of the the undemocratic stance of, here's a guy that can't wrestle because big government's getting involved in my everyday life and not allowing me to go out and make a living. Daniel Bryan is a coal miner, and he knows it's dangerous, but let this man make a living. He's not worried about black lung.
1: What's ironic is that Like he he seems to be... a bit of a pacifist yet he desperately wants to fight and he's being per- for- forbidden to fight. So again, just, I want to see, I want to see this comeback. I want to see, see this guy come back already. I mean, I want him to be healthy too, but there's just so much story, you know,
0: next up was Natalia against Charlotte for the SmackDown women's title. I thought for sure this was going to go on near the end of the show, but for obvious reasons, it did not. Saxton notes that Charlotte dedicated this match to her father earlier in the day during a Facebook video. Natalia drops her with a forearm. We go through a commercial break, and then when we come back, Natalia has her in a surfboard. Charlotte escapes that, speared Natalia for a two count, goes to the figure four, and is kicked into the corner. The sharpshooter was blocked by Charlotte via a slap, and then hit a, an exploder to Natalia into the corner, then climbs onto the barricade on the floor setting up for a moonsault when Natalia just lifts her off and drives her back first into the post, puts her in the ring and applies the sharpshooter, which was a smart transition after attacking the back, and then pulls Charlotte into the center. Charlotte is able to crawl to the ropes for the break. Charlotte gets uh, tossed to the floor, returns, hits a big boot, and then applies the figure eight, and Natalia taps out. At ten and a half minutes, Charlotte wins the SmackDown women's title. And then is interviewed by Renee. And they announced that she will now face Alexa Bliss on Sunday. Charlotte says she's wanted this title ever since being moved to SmackDown earlier this year. And it took her a lot longer to get this title than she thought. And winning it in her hometown meant a lot. Because in this company, this kind of shit don't happen too often. The crowd chants, you deserve it. And then she brings up her father's health problems over the last few years. This city has seen the ups and downs of her family. And Rick couldn't be here tonight, but he he's watching at home, and he knows she knows that he's gonna send her a text message and says she did this all for him and then, as Charlotte goes up the ramp, the music stops, and Rick's music plays out comes Rick and Charlotte runs to her father, gives him a big hug, both are in tears and All I could think of is that had Charlotte been following Enzo on Instagram earlier tonight, she would have known her father was backstage.
1: What? He did that?
0: He posed for a photo with Enzo. And Enzo posted this this thing at like 6 o'clock before the show. Two hours before the show. What a dumb. And I just, I don't know how how they'll... Well, did
1: did you also hear that page like tweeted a photo of herself with uh, like alicia fox or something on backstage at raw
0: yeah she did that on monday but yeah. this one i, I yeah i know and
1: when when she might have been a surprise appearance on raw
0: yeah i see that one as i don't know I'm, I'm sure like that wasn't the smartest judgment either but if i'm enzo here like i just wonder if enzo has a clue at times but i don't know it's like this was a I think this would have been... I, I think most didn't realize... No, was there. I, I didn't know. I didn't... But I think quite a few did. I mean, I re- was aware Rick was there. I think it was right. just... Uh, anyway, they did They did your whole idea away, but no Carmella
1: in this segment. Well, I mean, I thought about that, um, and I... Could you, uh, my God! Like this company to be able to do it with Rick's comeback
0: in Charlotte as she wins the title. No, I mean, like it was like they this, could, they could get all of their favorite things across in one fell swoop.
1: There's certainly no reason to have Carmella cash in right now. You know, at the end of this, if anything, I would have maybe saved the Rick appearance for the pay per view and have Charlotte win, but after a really hard fought battle and have Carmella do it then. And I still don't put it past them that they would do that because. There, as it stands, there's no real title match, and at the end of the show, I think they always want the feeling like something happened, and you know, um, maybe uh, a title change via a Carmelo Cashin is still very much a, a likelihood. Um, the, the Rick thing, maybe they'll, they just won't do because you know, when you think about it, you I don't you don't know if Rick is on board with it. Maybe Rick hates the idea. Um, you also don't really know. I don't want. I mean, to be morbid. You don't know how many more appearances Ric Flair has on TV, and at this point, do you want to have him, you know, go out in another kind of heartbreaking moment, or do you do something like this that that's ultimately just kind of a, a good feel-good moment that you know you'll you can have a lasting impression of? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm just trying to to think about reasons why what what they may be thinking of and whether or not they will do angles like that. Um I think I kind of wish Charlotte's first title win on SmackDown was better built too because clearly the fact that they've held her off this long since she debuted on The Brain, they wanted to probably tell a bigger story with it rather than maybe just a two, three week story, kind of feeling like they're hot hotshotting it just to get to this Alexa match. Uh,
0: two or three weeks? This this was a week.
1: A week, they sure. They just
0: announced this last week. They, yeah. I mean, these two weren't even really feuding. I mean, yeah. all we had was Natalia just saying how Charlotte chokes in big match situations mm-hmm. and i mean it was hardly it just seems like they have these big moments these big ideas and they just are going to give you the payoff rather than the full story to build to it well i mean and kurt angle's comeback yeah um these are all these ti- aj winning the title and gender lo- like it's just they have all these
1: these are all these is, are all the good hands that they have You know, and they're just waiting to use them. And I guess for whatever reason, they felt Survivor Series was a show that needed it. Or TLC at that time was a show that needed something like that. And they cashed in. Uh, No no pun intended. Um, And, you know, with Charlotte winning in the hometown and having the benefit of, you know, improving that Alexa matchup, I I would say that it was a fine choice to use that card um, made for a nice moment. And...
0: It is, and, and I'm always the one that complains that, you know, for this hometown stuff, they did it right here, mm-hmm. and I think that, yeah, you didn't get a big build for it, but it was still a really cool moment on TV, and any complaints are, uh, it really is nitpicking. So, I, I thought overall this was really well done.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Especially having Rick there, and I think the crowd was legitimately uh, happy to see this guy Oh come yeah, out. and yeah. it was a cool moment uh, for both of them. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they'll save the Carmella thing for Starcade, and then you could have Carmella come out as champion on TV the next week and say, "Since 1983, Starcade has been synonymous with Ric Flair until this past weekend when I took the title in Greensboro, North Carolina, and we have a new event, and it's Starmella." Oh, I like it. I like uh, it. After that segment how do you follow rick and charlotte in tears hugging one another the bludgeon brothers and this time we had a nighttime promo from both of them they're in the woods in the dark are you ready uh, way
1: i have been, like been looking to, forward to to your do recap to close or... your
0: eyes to yeah. really get into your bludgeon brothers yes
1: space yes
0: i don't hear anything except for the scream I can't feel anything except for the cracking bones. Every hammer needs a nail. It gives it purpose. And our purpose is obliterate everyone. Harper, Rowan,
1: Bludgeon, Bludgeon
0: Brothers. Perfect. Yeah, way. Nice. Perfect in sync. Oh and God. they're coming next week.
1: Finally. I've been... T- well, I'm almost gonna be disappointed because I that means no more no more like this would be the last one unfortunately. But um
0: We got the double hammer drop. They murdered two people here at the end of this promo.
1: Well they almost teased not destroying the camera guy this week. Like they turned their backs, paused, and then turned around and destroyed the cameraman. So hey, what happened whatever happened to the Fashion Files two B thing? Uh they're on hiatus. So it's not the Bludgeon Brothers.
0: I, I I don't even take anything the Fashion Files introduce in their videos as even connected to storylines or payoffs. I think they're all yeah. just one-off liners that mean yeah. nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I've kind of pieced out on the Fashion Files. Mm-hmm. I think they were. I, I think they they had their moment. The Usos came out, Gable and Benjamin are in the ring, and the Usos are cutting a promo on Cesaro and Sheamus. They say that Cesaro's mouthpiece won't protect him from a super kick from his kryptonite. Call Sheamus stupid looking, and I guess this Usos promo was just so great that as they answered the ring. Gable and Benjamin just said, guys, keep going. And they just left the ring and went to the floor and gave the stage to the Usos. They listed off all the tag teams on, in SmackDown that are that have been locked down and they will add the bar to that list on Sunday. And you're right. They feel like complete baby faces now.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, in this match, it was Chad Gable totally working as a heel. Uh, Jimmy working the leg injury being sympathetic. And, uh, I think it was working with this crowd. They were cheering for Jimmy Uso. Okay. This was a weird match. I'm going to explain why. Okay.
0: So the announcers state, Jimmy is going for revenge. After the chop block to Jay last week. Mm-hmm. So Gable last week, he took out the knee of Jay. Yeah. So this week it's Jimmy that is having the match with Gable. Right. Yes. Kind, kind of strange. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Jay was not selling any kind of injury. He wasn't limping. There was no injury here. He was just there in his brother's corner. So then what does Gable work over? He works over. The left knee of Jimmy, which is the knee he injured on Jay last week, so Jimmy inherited his brother's weakened knee <laughs> for this match. And Gable, you have like, never this had this like John, this you know like the, the the Demogorgon or something like it's where they it. were just they're attached by the the root is like connecting these two as one. They're twins. Is, is that twin- how twins work? Twin biology, yeah. Oh, that's really weird.
1: I mean, They're how? Twins, dude. Okay. Um, <laughs> Listen, okay. I mean, whatever. You can mean... buy the fa- you can buy the idea that that Chad Gable's offense now is is geared towards the leg. It doesn't doesn't mean he he can only attack one leg of one brother. All right, oh, I, I I attack I attacked his leg. I don't want to do it twice. Would this match
0: have just made a whole lot more sense if it was just Jay doing this match? That is true. Oh, he's going after the knee he went after last week.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: It's just a very confusing set of circumstances here. Um, Other than that, uh, if you could make sense of that, they had a fine match. Gable landed on his feet from a moonsault, uh, and then Jimmy took out Gable's knee. What a reverse. Gable caught Jimmy, threw him face first into the middle rope, and I thought Jimmy was dead. This looked horrifically painful.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was the same thing that uh, Enzo got injured with. Jimmy was
0: conscious after this, but this looked awful. And then Gable shoves Jay on the floor. Jay then lands a kick to Benjamin off the apron, and Gable's all distracted. He turns around and gets super kicked by Jimmy, and Jimmy pins Gable in 622.
1: The match to me just kind of felt like an exhibition match. Um, or sorry, sorry. Um, the match was good, I, I, I guess. Um, the The match that they're having with the bar to me kind of feels like a bit of an exhibition match because it. I don't really. I've never even seen them together on screen, you know. And I think in the future it would really be be beneficial to a lot of these interpromotional feuds to at least have them appear. Either have one team send a message via Titan Tron so they, they can communicate via pre-tape message, okay? Or even to do a face-to-face satellite interview or something, just to kind of um, let us visually see the two teams together in the same screen.
0: Well, um, well, at least we were going to get some interaction with these teams later on, but I know what you mean. Then they plug the card for Sunday. They're promoting this as the 31st edition of the Survivor Series, which I find it hilarious that of all the ones they've screwed up, this year legitimately is the 30th anniversary and they're not going with that marketing.
1: So maybe I just should just shut up. Is 35 a big deal? No, 30. Oh, 30. Oh. 30th. Is 30th a big- anniversary. I guess I guess 30 sort of is a big deal.
0: Sammy Zayn is in the locker room with Kevin Owens. And, oh, they also, in running down the cards, said we will find out the fifth member of the SmackDown women's team on Sunday. So that was never announced. Who would replace Charlotte? I guess Natalia is the obvious pick, but I still think Paige could be an option. And maybe that was the reason she was kept off of Raw. I think those are your two candidates because Definitely. Lana would be a real letdown.
1: I think Paige would be a great surprise. I mean, Natalia would kind of make sense, but... It, yeah, it depends. I think who, where they see Paige fitting in, SmackDown or Raw.
0: Sammy Zayn's in the locker room with Kevin Owens. Zayn is upset they're not booked on the on the Survivor Series. Owens says Shane's got a vendetta against them. They should be the ones fighting the Shield. The New Day's a circus act. No one's better than them. The only show that matters is the Sammy and Kevin show, and they'll be taking on the New Day later on tonight.
1: Uh, yeah, I wonder. Next? I wonder like what plans for the Met Survivor Series were um or i mean are i suppose and i wonder how much if anything changed prior to some of their drama last week
0: i think nothing i don't think they were ever i don't think they should have been figured into anything here i think that yeah, they should just a, be looming over smackdown and the smackdown team uh, that right, they could yeah. get involved
1: it's just a little unusual considering the the last pay per view they were the focal points and for much of this month they were the main villains of that show and for them not to have a role on the pay per view is is just a little odd.
0: Uh, it's weird, but I think it's it benefits their story. Like if they were, ju- if you just have the mindset they have to be on every pay per view, then we'd have them fighting on behalf of SmackDown's honor, which they're going out of their way to not associate them as fighting for smackdown so i actually think it's a positive for their current storyline that they're not part of any of these teams that they're not representing smackdown and in fact that they could cost their team the match so i i kind of yeah i agree (laughs) but i I don't think you need if there's a reason for it you don't need these guys to just be shoehorned into this
1: card well, I feel like you could still have them be a part of the show, but maintaining sort of that that rebellious kind of anti SmackDown stance, without actually having them in the match. You know, like I, the problem right now is that they're just complete afterthoughts, and you're not you're not even uh, they're not even in your mind because um, there's so much other stuff going on. Like I didn't even realize these two hadn't been on the show yet until the segment. And by the end of the I think the show, that's by
0: design, though. I think you want them to. I I think people are looking at them as kind of they could get involved and cost SmackDown the 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 the, the win on Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think they need kind to.
0: Of, they are background and they sh- kind of should yeah. be for that role. If they are, if it's going to be some surprise attack or something, I kind of like the fact that on sure. SmackDown side you have Owens and Zayn as these outsiders, and on Raw you've kind of put um, well to a much lesser extent you have. Jason Jordan could come and turn on Raw. You have you have Kane as well involved in things. Like you have you have arguments that either side could get um mm-hmm. their own roster members to turn on them for instance.
1: For sure. And thinking about I think the future of SmackDown, I mean, clearly I think they they want to probably pick back up on that. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Shane McMahon thing. And in order for them to do that, the hottest way would be for get, to get Sammy and, and Kevin involved in that match, costing them the victory somehow.
0: The New Day came out, and they rattle off the title reigns the Shield has had together, 13 title reigns together, but the New Day have had 27 between them, but they couch that by saying most of them are from Kofi. They ask why anyone would refer to themselves as dogs like the Shield does. They eat their own poop, and they're not like unicorns. The New Day can trust each other 100%, whereas the Shield cannot, and they're only together for cuddle season when it's cold. Cuffing season. Oh, is that what he said?
1: I think so, yeah. Cuffing season. on black Twitter.
0: Well, they then went on to say that they are the only team that has not turned on each other. Which I guess wouldn't be factual, but they have been what do you together mean? a long time. Oh, there, there are plenty of teams that haven't turned on one another.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, yeah, sure. I thought I thought they, they, it was a good promo from the New Day, making some very compelling arguments for why they're the better team.
0: Dogs do eat their own shit. You're right. Mm-hmm. Biggie and Xavier took on Owens and Zayn. Owens and Zayn just came out to Owens' music, and Owens just. Has this calm walk to the ring? He's just focused on the people in the ring, and Zane is like marching around all over the place. Uh, I I, li- I like these two coming out to Owen's music. Actually, I think it fits a lot better than than
1: Zane's music. Oh, completely, yeah, completely. But I do love the fact that Sammy still like <laughs> him doing the dance as a heel is is quite entertaining.
0: <laughs> so. Early on, the new day is stomping down Zane in their corner. They're in control until Owens yanks Woods to the floor and hits a senton. They go through the commercial. Owens has a long rear chin lock applied to Woods, who eventually tags in Big E. He gives uh, three belly to belly suplexes to Zane. Woods then hits a Topekan Hero to Owens on the floor, and then the Shields' music hits, and everyone freezes. They're in the ring, and out come the Shield. And the WWE, it's that time of the year. The split. T shirts.
1: Oh, where can can I get one of these? Oh, God. Maybe I should have been on Monday.
0: Yeah. What 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 a raw half shield t shirt. Who in God's name would buy one of these?
1: They don't actually sell them. I highly doubt that. Um, What's even the point of them? The point is okay, they recognize that putting these guys in shirts makes them look like goofballs, and yet
0: they're they're only half goofballs now.
1: Yeah, they don't want to commit all the way into making Roman Reigns and the Shield look like goofballs. So that they want to compromise, and their compromise is to have them in half shirts. What I would have liked to have seen is half vests, cut the vest <laughs> in half, and just yeah. kind of just do that. Uh, they looked ridiculous. They looked so dumb.
0: I like that they went to this extent to, for the Shield, but the rest of the entire Raw locker room, they were all just in their plain Raw T-shirts. No, yeah.
1: What I want to know is what they did with the other halves of the shirts. Did they sew those up too?
0: Yeah. Couldn't they be less wasteful and just take the other halves and give that to one of the – like Dean can wear the other two halves?
1: But then you're left with one half. And what do you do with that?
0: No, I'm saying you, you split them in two and that could cover two guys. I know, but then – Just mix the, and match. But, but what about Romans? Well, then you got to – you do got to destroy
1: two more shirts to make a third. Yeah. I, I think I, – <laughs> These shirts just looked r- ridiculous. <laughs> I just like, I understand, like it made for a nice visual having kind of all the blotches of red in there. But I just, I don't think that's necessary. I think fans are smart enough to recognize who's who and who belongs to what team. You know, if you had the Shield simply come out in their Shield uniform, to me that that's just as strong of an image. as having They should a- have red spotlights red on
0: the Raw guys as they come down the aisle headbands headbands sure headbands yeah body paint
1: yeah uh body paint
0: full-on body spandex
1: bodies (laughs) maybe like um like you know like when you're playing like a nba like ea sports or fifa there's like a red circle around the the guy or like a blue circle i was actually just thinking of that
0: yeah yeah exactly that's
1: what they need yeah
0: the, this whole storyline is better suited for a video game. So the Usos are... Oh, sorry, Owens and Zayn are in the ring with the New Day. And they're standing there. The shield comes down. And then Owens and Zayn bail to the floor and leave. Which was funny because it serves the story of these guys leaving the uh, the New Day high and dry. But this is also like exactly... <laughs> like this was like a storyline version of what they did last week. Bail before the physicality after the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they just left. So the Usos ran down to help the new day. Then Seamus and Cesaro came out from the crowd. We cut to the back and the raw women have arrived. They go into the locker room and attack the SmackDown women. They circle around Charlotte, including Sasha and Bailey. And then Alexa nails Charlotte with a forearm and sends her down. Then we had team Ross storm the ring. Um, poor Apollo Crews and Titus O'Neil they're done a European tour and then they've got to stay on the road an extra night to be involved in this when they have no involvement at the pay-per-view but they had to stay on the road here Shane and the Smackdown talent storm the ring Shane nailed Finn Balor off the apron and then Kurt appears and waves out Braun Strowman to kill everyone he drops Shane Everyone goes to the floor. Shane's left with the shield and the shield just takes Shane to survey all the damage, telling Shane he did this to himself as they beat him down three on one. Corey Graves says Kurt angle has been humiliated one time too many. <laughs> the shield then holds Shane for angle and Kurt tells him to wait until Sunday. If he thinks this is bad, gives them the thumbs up and then the thumbs down for the triple power bomb. Then Kurt hits Shane with an angle slam shane is drowning in his own sweat and then the shield gives shane yet another triple power bomb and that is the end of the show raw gets their revenge on the final show before the survivor series
1: mm-hmm. i like this under siege a lot and i was extremely, extremely critical of the first one this one i i feel like i enjoy because they've taken a month to get to it and by this point you kind of understand the motivations to an extent and of of, you know, everybody involved. Um I thought it was well paced. But you also kinda know who the participants are of each match, so, so it it all worked out really well. I love the homage to to the evolution, uh, Randy Orton Powerbomb. Um at this point, like you kinda also have individual characters on the teams, uh, with their own kind of storylines and identities and and people that you're choosing to build to. And to me I found Braun Strowman to be somebody in that role who really was like, again, he's the Incredible Hulk. You know, it's this is the Avengers versus the Justice League, and you have Braun Strowman as kind of their big secret weapon at the end of it all to clean the house. Um, important also to note that there there is no Cena and no Triple H here. No, who the, no. Who are the, the the Superman and the, I guess, I don't know, Thor, respectively, of their teams?
0: Uh, sure, yeah. I can imagine Kurt... Uh... Hey uh hey Hunter, we're uh we're all going over to Charlotte tomorrow night. We were going to uh we were gonna attack them if you No, I'm I'm good guys. I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. Hunter also did just murder his child, so I I guess I guess Kurt was not gonna involve Hunter
1: here. It would've made things a little awkward, like if Triple H was there and Rollins, you know, um working together. Like they did on the
0: House Show as the SHIELD members? Oh yeah, never mind. So I <laughs> think mind. they've gotten over their differences. <laughs> I mean, he You're allowed right. him into his group, for Christ's sake. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that was anyway. SmackDown. Um, I, I thought Raw and SmackDown, I thought they were really good um, final episodes this week to set up the Survivor Series. I think they've done a pretty good job with the, uh, you know, where we started off uh, with this build. I mean, I haven't been... <laughs> I wasn't overly enthused with their ability to just go to this Raw versus SmackDown feud, but I think that they have certainly done a significant – this is the best job they have done of doing a brand versus brand thing. Certainly of this brand split, and I think you'd have to go way back um, during the first brand split to see them build something that the audience does seem to have some kind of attachment to. Yeah, I still have a and, lot. And of part criticism. of it is like the crutch of loading this up with a lot of big superstars that you don't typically get week to week. So I think they have that going for them as well.
1: Definitely, they had to kind of pull out a lot of cards in order to make this thing look attractive, and I think they've done a good job of that. I feel like, you know, a lot of my criticisms I still have about this are the fact that there are no stakes attached to the outcome of the match. Um, a lot of the initial motivations are still ambiguous i don't know why these people are all of a sudden so interested in helping their brands um you know because i don't i don't know what they're fighting for so these are all and also the fact that you know a lot of these feuds don't feel like they're real feuds because you don't see the people interact on on screen together um like if it wasn't brock lesnar and aj styles I would have no interest in that match. You know, if it wasn't a match that I was already interested in, I would have no interest in that match because the storyline has been kind of whatever. So, um, if they do this again next year, I hope that a lot of these issues are fixed. Um, you know what? I almost feel like War Games would be like a great gimmick for a, a Survivor Series type of match next year between the two brands. And, Maybe if NXT goes well, they'll they might consider it. I hope.
0: Yeah, and we will uh, we will go through the cards at the end of the show, uh, but briefly, I just want to chat about the Bill Goldberg uh, 24 that aired on Monday night right after RAW. So, uh, this is kind of just going back to all of last year's build to the Survivor Series and then culminating at WrestleMania and. Uh, it's about an hour it's up on the network now and it was funny because the sit down they do with bill goldberg they had a number of interviews with him but one of the sit downs i guess was either right after or maybe even it had to be in close proximity to that week he came out on tv and his head was just all bloody because he had rammed it into a locker so he has this big cut on his forehead that is impossible to not just stare at as he's Talking on all these sit-down interviews of when he came out and yeah, everyone was wondering how, how did this guy bleed he was ju- he just walked to the ring yeah so anyway you, uh, uh,
1: oh it would be great if you just like let that thing bleed during the whole for this interview interview yeah
0: <laughs> well One thing you – there's a number of things uh, to take away from this documentary. Number one, it's impossible not to compare this to the Ric Flair 30 for 30 last week, which was a story about a guy in Ric Flair who gave his entire life to pro wrestling at the expense of his family life. And this, to compare it, is the opposite of a guy that shut the door on professional wrestling who only came back – Because of his family, because he wanted his wife and his child to see him perform because he had not met his wife during his wrestling days and obviously did not have his child at that time. So this is a guy who his it is so clear in this and it's not a put on. It's this guy just this guy loves his family. And it's just comes it's really apparent throughout this whole thing. That's what the whole documentary is about is. Him doing this and going through this insane ritual, this, this crazy regimen he's put together to try and get back into Bill Goldberg's shape. And he talks about throughout this just the pressure he put on himself for the Survivor Series. It's, he constantly goes back to that, how much pressure he put on himself. This guy was training three times a day, six days a week, and couldn't sleep at night as he was preparing for what would be a minute 26 second match, but he just felt such a enormous weight on his shoulders to perform at this level when he's 50 years old. Um, So that was a big theme of this whole thing. They did uh, do a number, like these were all original interviews as well that they did. Eric Bischoff was someone that they sat down here and they go through quickly just his WCW tenure and catching fire And Bischoff says how he was very surprised that Goldberg ever went to the WWE in 2003. And he explains the difference of not feeling at home and Bill probably feeling like he was visiting someone's house when he first came along in the WWE as opposed to really being a part of what was going on, which is an interesting parallel, I'm sure, between Goldberg and Bischoff. Uh, when Bischoff came to the WWE, here's a guy that's used to, he was running things, and now he's just another another talent on the show as well. So we went through uh, kind of Goldberg's return, the setup they did on ESPN, and then coming to Denver for his first appearance on television uh, in October of last year. And they show him on the plane with his wife and his son, Gage, who is all over this thing. And... We learn something about Gage here because Goldberg asks his son uh, what he thinks about all of this as they're heading to Raw, and Gage puts his two thumbs up, and then he
1: dabs. He's a dabber. Jesus. Well, he's a kid. He can get away with it. And then
0: we cut to him taking a photo with Enzo, who I think is his favorite wrestler because I think they did a dab in the photo as well. Um, There was some cool stuff in here, including Hunter producing Goldberg's entrance that night of Raw last year for his first comeback. And it's Hunter explaining to Goldberg that he wants this to be exactly what Bill wants. He asks him, do you still want the pyro that you would walk through? And Goldberg's like, yeah, of course. And then he insists that he's got to be able to inhale the smoke so that he can blow it out which I don't know if that's a practice I would I would want to maintain. Like maybe that was something that was cool back in the day but one that maybe we could ease off of at the age of 50. I just feel breathing all that shit in that seems to be like a a recipe for problems down the road. Wouldn't you think? Uh I wouldn't do it.
1: Pyro yeah. smoke. Yeah. He insisted on it. I would do it so, though for a, for if if I was making like a million dollars. I guess you
0: can mortgage your health for certain reasons. So then they do your favorite WWE documentary trope way. They had to explain Bill Goldberg's mindset in 2003. And because they can't just get into Bill's head in 2003, we have to use WWE segments from that time period to take us into the mind of Bill Goldberg. So we cut to a Jericho promo about how Bill Goldberg's big ego is out of control and he's this jerk and then we cut to Bischoff who explains that Bill would often come to the arena and keep to himself and a lot of the guys took this as an insult and would think he was a prima donna and i i can totally sympathize with bill goldberg here a guy who's just a private person that just <laughs> wants to be by you're himself you're right yeah
1: you I don't think you're there's just anything... like Goldberg. Yeah.
0: Well, it's uh, like what a what a false impression that people can just Shh. place upon
1: people. I agree. Michael... I agree. I think that's kind of bullshit.
0: Michael Cole explains Bill's aversion to the politics in 2003 and four, and then they took a clip. From uh, the Fight Club in Chicago with Steven Milhausen, which is a show I've been on many times, of this interview with Bill Goldberg, uh, talking about his uh, less than fond memories of his first WWE run. And then they caught this awesome clip on tape. It's from 2003. Bill is on the ramp at Raw. I guess the show is over now. And a fan yells, You suck, Goldberg. And Bill is so taken aback by this. He walks up to the fan. And tells him, "I'm at the Hilton. Why don't you come find me at the Hilton?" <laughs> he challenges this fan to come to the hotel and, I guess, fight him.
1: Did the fan take it take him up on it? I doubt it. Uh, but this was uh, this was an awesome
0: clip that they had. Hmm. Then they showed the uh, the highlights of WrestleMania 20. Goldberg disagrees that it was a crappy match because he says the fans just never gave it a chance. Heyman explained, the audience knew that both men were leaving, so the audience collectively decided, we are leaving you. And Michael Cole says it would not have mattered if they had a five-star match, which they're being way too kind to what this match was. I was there in the arena for this match. First of all, these two allowed the audience to just kill them at the beginning because they just stood there for eternity, allowing this crowd to just grow into a tidal wave and totally take them away uh and destroy this match so i mean it wasn't a great match and the crowd certainly took it over but anyway to to argue the merits of this match that's a tough argument to make uh his wife talked about how jaded and angry he was when he left in 2004 and hunter notes that they reached out a few years ago and the conversation just immediately shut down and they got they got nowhere and this time it's a different Goldberg, and we see Bill interacting with all the guys, uh, hanging out with Luke Gallows, ringside. Uh, Vince McMahon was interviewed for this, and they they had a shot of him producing Bill Goldberg during his first run, telling Bill how to look into the camera, how he wants him to like puff out his chest and stuff. Like it was really goofy. And then he, this was maybe the best visual of the entire documentary. It's it's present day. Vince is with Bill Goldberg in the just outside of his office, and we see a sign that reads Vince's office, and he tells Bill to feel at home. That door is always open. And the funny part was that you had this sign that read Vince's office, and then right next to it is another printout that reads, Do not enter. <laughs> for his door that's always open. So for the debut last year in denver uh they just show him coming out and the crowd just gave him if you recall this incredible reaction like it was a really really cool uh show i remember you were away actually for that one i did that show with nate and it was a huge segment uh and he comes out into the ring he shouts to his son who's in the front row and his son responds to his dad in the middle of all this the only way he knows how he dabs and Goldberg is nearly in tears here as he does his promo sets up the Lesnar match. And then they show him coming to the back and everyone's applauding him. He hugs Vince, hugs Hunter. And then it's this transition that we see him as he's going from Bill Goldberg, the regular father into the character and into the persona of Bill Goldberg and having to get into ring shape and he talks about just all the pressure he's feeling for this. He says he does not envision having any fun during this process. And he's absolutely scared about all of it. And it was a few weeks into this, before the Survivor Series, when he did this jackhammer to Rusev. And he slipped as he did this. And I recall this very clearly that a lot of people pointed this out, that he, he slipped. And it was obviously traumatizing to Goldberg. Because he realized that one little slip, he says it was such mental anguish to realize just how quickly all of this could just end up a mess. And he was micromanaging. He said every second he was out there to make it perfect. And it consumed him for every minute in training. It was thinking about every possible thing that could go wrong and just trying to make sure everything is perfect. Uh, it seems like this guy put held himself to a standard that few would. Like, all these top guys are perfectionists. I'm sure Bill would fit into that category, but it just seems that this guy had the weight of the world on him, and probably having that memory of that last match with Lesnar as this 12-year-old memory at this point, that he didn't want to uh, leave with a with a negative moment uh at the survivor series and not looking a certain way not performing at a certain way and in training what he was trying to do was he was trying to gain weight to replicate his look in his prime which i mean he looked ridiculous in 1998 but also trying to increase his cardio at the same time and this just led to i think ultimately he kind of sacrificed the size for his cardio because as you recall he was a lot smaller than his Uh, than his frame in you know the late 90s early 2000s and we see him just training and training Um, he's going through all the pr stuff on the monday before the raw he did this big angle with the security guards and he's taking out all the security guards and ends up fucking up his shoulder he thought he tore his rotator cuff and all of this is leading into the survivor series they go through that match the match goes a minute 26 which I mean, at the time, there were some people critical of it, but I think in hindsight, it was a tremendous return. And I think everyone realized at that point um, that he was going to continue. But up until that weekend, it's like he only had the contract for the Survivor Series. And they made it seem like they decided after the match that they would continue. But I can't imagine they booked that finish without having it on paper that they were going to go through WrestleMania. I have to imagine that they had that all figured out before that that match got into the ring because it made no sense that you would beat lesnar like that for a guy that's leaving so um afterwards we get to see the elation in bill goldberg he says everything that he went through was worth it for that match that his wife and child got to see him in toronto and then they go on to the fact that they continued things through wrestlemania they showed him winning the title from kevin owens ...in 21 seconds at the Fastlane pay-per-view... ...and then they go into WrestleMania... ...and there's a scene with The Undertaker... ...which was... ...it was a very strange scene... ...because the camera is on them at WrestleMania... ...Bill goes up to him... ...like like a scene at the beach... ...where the guy's got his arms extended... ...and you're cutting back and forth... ...to two people going to hug... ...well this was kind of one way... One way ...where Bill had his arms out... ...as he's coming up to him... ...like from 20 feet away... And he he's chatting with The Undertaker, and it felt like The Undertaker just did not want to appear on this documentary out of character and just wanted to move on from this conversation. It was a very strange interaction between the two, but Bill was just like a like a fanboy here for The Undertaker. So anyway, um they they highlight the match. It was obviously, I mean, many would say it was the best match at WrestleMania this year. And The big thing was Goldberg for WrestleMania. He said he's never been able to enjoy any of his matches or the process, but this was a match that he actually got to have fun doing, and then they go to the night after WrestleMania, which was the last time we've seen him, where he brings his son into the ring, and uh, that was it. That was his goodbye, and we haven't seen him since, and that was kind of where the documentary wraps up, where, of course, we get a musical montage at the end, and when you think Bill Goldberg, you think... Uh, the Adventure by Angels and Airwaves, as we get the the montage, and one more shot of Gage
1: dabbing to end the documentary. Mm. So it seems like a great ending. If I was Goldberg, I wouldn't come back for anything, really. I'm really surprised that they haven't made a play to bring him back. Maybe they have, but I mean, knowing the amount of pressure that this guy put, put on himself, and, you know, could he do better you know could he have a better ending than what he did have uh, having a, a final match at wrestlemania like that i'm not sure i'm not sure if it'll be worth it
0: i get the impression he seems to he
1: care, was... care, he care he seems to he care a lot more about promo of like...
0: from the, the night after mania i mean the promo mm-hmm. he cut i mean he was very much willing to continue and kind of said it's 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 in vince's it's vince's decision. And I think if, if he had been asked to continue, I think he would have. And I don't know when you, when you just look at the the guys probably what 51 now, maybe, Mm -hmm. um, still in outstanding shape
1: and okay. He, he looks like he's in outstanding shape, but is he actually in such great in ring shape? I mean, he was able to pull off some convincing matches with Brock, but I think even towards the end he was, he was showing a lot of uh, his limitations.
0: I mean, there are limitations with Bill Goldberg. I don't think anyone's um Especially Especially now anything. that he's older. That match with Lesnar at WrestleMania, though, that was, I mean, it was 10 minutes, but it was outstanding. That was one of the best matches of his career.
1: I don't necessarily feel like he can replicate that every single, yeah, a month or whatever they look for him.
0: Well, uh, I mean, he ended this by just saying that uh, he left everything in the ring at WrestleMania and closed the book on one part of his life. So, I mean, the way this documentary ends, it does feel as though that's the end. But, I mean, it's pro wrestling. And, I mean, look look at how this company changed uh, their thought process on Kurt Angle throughout this past year.
1: Oh, yeah, they get nice. desperate. You know
0: what I mean? And now, Kurt, they were obviously getting ready to have him make a return. Um, it wasn't like TLC change that but it certainly sped up the process and you're going to have those situations where you're going to you'll need to pull something out of uh, out of left field and bill goldberg is a card that they could play if they ever do need something and there's there's an open
1: oh of course but i feel like they do draw their line at a certain age and i'm trying to think who's been older than bill goldberg in the last three years how old was sting
0: Sting was – looking up Sting right now. Like his –
1: Dude, dude, Sting's 58. Sting was way older. Okay. And, Um, like, dude, that was crazy. Like, you saw how that turned out. So I feel like – There's definitely that hesitancy once you're
0: talking about guys that age. But, I mean, look at – you know, when you look at some of the guys that they've – Oh, I know. I mean, dude, Triple H is two years younger than Goldberg.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Triple H, H, I think, is a much better. Yeah, it's hard to say.
0: Look at the injuries Hunter's had, compared to the injury. Like Goldberg's had his share of injuries, but Hunter, look at all the surgeries this guy's gone through in his career. Knees, quads. He's had his issues, and really, I mean, amongst the guys, he's a very. This is a valuable executive that doesn't really need
1: to be wrestling. Right, bring them all back all of well, them. well that's the other Scott thing. Look steiner Bagwell. call them all
0: sure why not well that was the bill goldberg documentary if you go i, I thought it was really good the, the stuff with his kid i mean i just think it's really uh it, it's really engaging um, is what engage. you want to say wow literally what a great yeah. engaging mm-hmm. um do you want to quickly uh just look at the cards for this weekend way before we let you go
1: yeah sure i don't know how my skype is coming across it i feel like it's been a little choppy but uh if oh, it, you, if it you may... sounded
0: fine oh, okay that's no good issue. yeah that's nine. good okay well let's uh first of all um have you heard about the the rules for this war games
1: match i have not please enlighten me
0: okay This is from the Wrestling Observer newsletter last week. So um, everyone remembers the War Games, how it worked, uh, where it was two teams and two guys would start, you'd do the, the coin toss, and then one side, typically the heels, would have the numbers advantage throughout. Now, for the time that they've done the three teams, it would still start with two people and then you'd have one entrant. So For this one, it sounds like, at least according to the observer here...
1: Okay, they're they're, they're official WWE.com rules. Oh, are they? Yeah, do you want me to read them? Yeah, why don't you read them? Okay, the rules of the match are as follows. This is from WWE.com. The three member teams of Sanity, Undisputed Era, and the Authors of Pain will... R- wage war inside a massive steel cage that surrounds two rings. All three teams will be contained inside separate shark cages by the entranceway with a member from each team as chosen by his respective squad starting the match. So th- three people, it sounds like, will start the match. Yes. After five minutes, the remaining members from one team will be released from their shark cage and allowed to enter the match. Okay, so, so after be, five minutes... three. Th- so it, the
0: first, you'll have, you'll have three... And members then, of one team and, and then, then one individual from the other three four five people in the ring
1: wait a second so after five minutes the remaining members from one team will be released from their shark cage and allowed to Which enter would be the a match. total of three so yeah so we go from three to six after five is that correct no, you, say say sanity gets
0: unleashed it gets the the coin toss or whatever so Alexander Wolfe and Killian Dane would join Eric Young along with one member of the Undisputed team and one member of the Authors of Pain, Roderick Strong team. So you'd have – you'd go from three people in the ring to five people in the ring.
1: Okay. I'm not reading anything about a coin toss here, but – Okay, let's let's keep going. After five minutes, the remaining members from one team will be released, blah, blah, blah. When another three-minute period elapses, the remaining members from the second team are released from their shark cage to enter the match. Okay, I get it. Okay, uh, following another three-minute period, the final team's members are released from their shark cage and they enter the match. Once all three teams have entered the War Games match, a victory can be attained via pinfall or submission. But not a guy quitting um that's what do you mean that's a mission isn't it that, uh yeah yeah so
0: so it'll everyone will be in the ring after um like 11 minutes i think
1: i think that's how it works. i feel like like even with the first war games i've ever seen i'll, I'll probably need to just actually watch it in order to fully yeah. grasp it but this does sound like a bit of a departure from tradition,
0: it sounds like the King of the Mountain match, hmm. a little
1: bit. Yeah. So
0: that's the main event, the War Games.
1: Are you got? Are and you and hearing that? By the way, there's. Yeah, is that a? Uh, I think it. Like, I tooth think toothbrush? it's. A, I, th- I think it's a leaf blower. So <laughs> of course. Sorry about that. There's that's a lot funny. of leaves here. Jesus, well, that's uh, loud. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just mute until I have to talk.
0: All right. So the rest of the card features uh, the four-way for the vacant women's title with Ember Moon, Kyrie Sane, Nikki Cross, and Peyton Royce. Do you have a pick who's going to be the women's champion after TakeOver? Who do
1: you think is this going to be? Uh, Ember um, Moon
0: finally winning, or do you put on Kairi Sane?
1: I, I feel like when Kyrie those Sane... Those are the two picks. Yeah, I think when Kyrie Sane wins, you'll have like a very long reign. Um, I think Ember needs it more than Sane so I would go Ember and give Sane the chase
0: do you think it comes down to those two do you think uh, Nikki Cross or Peyton Royce
1: are, are options I think it comes down to those two I think the traditionally the, that NXT uh, both the women's and the men's titles have been held by like kind of their marquee franchise players in those divisions and I, I, I think at this point it's really Kyrie Sane but I think Upper Moon is, is certainly in contention yeah
0: yeah, I feel that that's a match, too, that's going to be really well laid out, and you'll have a great crowd as well, so I have high hopes for that four-way. Drew McIntyre and Andrade Cien Almas, I think it's pretty much a lock McIntyre keeps the title. Um, then we have Aleister Black against the Velveteen Dream, and Cassius Ono against Lars Sullivan. So, cool. This is one
1: and, of those shows. And, uh, and sorry, uh, Dunn versus Gargano. The, yeah, that won't. That's a gonna take, I think,
0: for the uh, for the following week's TV. Mm. So that that's that could be the match of the night.
1: Oh my God, I'm almost looking forward to that more than anything else on this show. I,
0: I, I would say I am. Yeah, I, I think those two with that crowd in Houston, I think that's gonna be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this feels a lot like the last Takeover. We're going in. I, I wasn't feeling all that much hype behind it Mm -hmm. but then it turned out to be one of the best takeovers ever and Mm -hmm. that's one of the things with these takeover specials i mean this could be a dynamite card with some great matches a great angle on the show that makes i I don't have any doubt i will be very satisfied with the end of this show because these shows just never are disappointing (laughs) i mean you'd be hard pressed to come up with like what's the worst takeover special like you're really having to parse through these cards to come up with um, bad ones that, yeah. there hasn't been a bad takeover mm-hmm. so it should be a very good show on saturday and it'll only be two and a half hours unlike sunday where we are locked in for six hours between the kickoff and the main show and just quickly going through here um we have enzo and calisto on the kickoff show uh they haven't announced anything else the miz against baron corbin i wonder where they're going to put that maybe that'll open the pay-per-view
1: Hmm. What a I could to see them opening from up with round
0: zero and build.
1: I kind of see them opening up with one of the five on fives, just because you have two of them. Like the women's, obviously, perhaps just to kind of book in the show. Um, like Ms. Corbin really is the weakest of any of the matches, and that's almost like a good come down buffer match in between, you know, something more important.
0: So, I guess are we? Are we treating like the Survivor Series, is it like a, because there's seven interpromotional matches, so are we just going with like, it's a best of seven, and whichever brand wins four matches is considered the winner, or is it just the men's match that ultimately is the the, the victor of this brand versus brand battle? I don't know, dude.
1: I have no they idea. They haven't even stated really what constitutes a win for the brand. Well, there's nothing at stake. It's like you don't know what what they're winning anyway. There's not even a trophy this year. So I don't I don't know if that's I don't know if they're counting any of this.
0: Like what they did last year, you had um you had there there were 3 traditional Survivor Series matches and Raw won 2 of them, but SmackDown won the main one. So, so it's kind of like it was kind of like both sides had their bragging rights. Coming yeah. Out of it. Well, I mean, it and they'll, two out of three, but SmackDown won the big one.
1: And they're going to book it again this year so that it's, again, it's a wash because you, you can't hurt either brand. That's kind of silly.
0: What the hell are we doing then? So beyond that, uh, we've got, okay. So the men's match is Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Triple H against Shane, Randy, Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, and John Cena. Who's winning this way?
1: And who survives? So, I mean, like we talked about, I think a lot of the X-Factors are uh, the people that aren't on the show and how they will play a part in the match. And obviously that's Zayn and Owens. And on the other end, you have Kane. um, And maybe Jason Jordan to a lesser extent. So I do feel like the most compelling thing. I I think, you know, if you're going to have Kane pop out from under the ring to take out Braun Strowman, okay, whatever. I don't know. Get rid of Braun. Um, But... I do feel like Zayn and Owens costing SmackDown the match is going to be more relevant for their storyline going forward. So I see Raw winning.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because for the women's match, okay, it's somewhat, if you were to introduce Paige on the SmackDown side, there's an argument you want to book her strong here in her return. However, I think the priority of all 10 women is Asuka. And I would want to have Asuka, like, run the table and just win this for
1: her team. But you can still have that. Well, uh, the thing is, yeah, can you have Asuka take a pin? She's taken a pinfall in the past. and or No, she hasn't, actually. No. She's never taken a pinfall. So you definitely— I mean, you can do the countout, but it's just like, yeah. if
0: they're going to do a countout, why is she even in the match? Like, why— Well, because she's a featured player. Just, so is Kevin Owens. You know what I mean? Like, if if there's a bigger story to tell with Asuka, she could have missed this pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends whether you view Asuka as sort of the more important project or a returning page. And maybe you don't have page return simply for that reason, and just put in Natalia or somebody else, and that way you can have Asuka win.
0: Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus against the Usos. I, I think, like, realistically, the booking of this is just what we're going to have it probably be even going into the final match. So it's just going to be a case of raw gets three wins. SmackDown gets three wins. Like, I don't think there's any thinking into who wins a match like this. Same with Miz and Corbin. Like I, it's a, it's flip, a flip, flip, coin. it doesn't coin. even matter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brock and AJ, you think this one's going to go 12 minutes. I think that's probably a safe assumption. Uh, the positioning of this one is interesting of where you put this on the card. Um, cause I think, that this is going to be a really hard match to follow for this crowd that oh, is going yeah. to treat this like a dream match. Definitely, um,
1: Especially I, a
0: hot season to Houston.
1: I'd put it third from the top and then put in Miz versus Corbin right after it. You, you can even put it as a semi-main, and I think because they built that main event, like the five-on-five five so well, the crowd will still really get behind it. So I don't, I don't, I don't think you're, you're risking anything. Uh,
0: the Shield and the New Day.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's got to be The Shield. They're the main eventers. I mean, you can have them lose. No, I don't think you should have them lose. I think they're supposed to be like, yeah, there's more money to be made with The Shield.
0: And then rounding it out is Alexa and Charlotte in our new match of the two women's champions that um, I feel that's probably a SmackDown victory for charlotte
1: well i think the the most the thing to watch out for here depending on when the match takes place is whether or not you get that cash in from Carmella. um that might be the most interesting thing uh but because charlotte i hope
0: they save that i think that would be so lost on a show like this
1: as opposed to starcade
0: uh i'm not even advocating for it to happen at starcade especially if it's not airing i don't know it just seems like you could do it on this show i guess um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. guess it's also where where this is put, where this is slotted. Like if the women's match is early on in the show, yeah, you could maybe do that. Here's but a better this, question: if,
1: How how many of these finishes do you think will be clean? Because you're you're, uh, you're dealing with like people that you need to protect across the board here with every one of these matches. I mean, to a lesser extent, maybe, like, whatever, the bar or the New Day, you can kind of sacrifice, but, like, Bliss and Flair, you can't really afford a loss with either guy. AJ and Lesnar, you can't. Um, Yeah. I
0: I, I think, in general, overall, I think people put way too much stock in a loss, hurting someone, and the need to protect someone. I think that you can... When you have that, that, that idea that there's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser, I think that just benefits your entire promotion as a whole. When you have that mindset that a loss does not mean that a guy is killed, it just means that now he has some, some adversity he has to come overcome in his next program or to come and – like I don't want to make the mixed martial arts comparison, but it's, it's very similar where that can be very compelling when someone has lost – and how they come back from that. Instead of, we've got to protect this person in losing. And therefore, there's no benefit to the winner. Because we've just muddied everything. So that it's just, it's nothing. So I hope we don't see that up and down this card. Of just run-ins. and mm-hmm, That mm-hmm. kind of thinking that dictates your booking. Mm-hmm. So, eight matches so far. I'm sure there will be more added to the kickoff show. Um, perhaps a, a Cruiserweight
1: elimination match as well. No, That's you, have, you have the club. You have Fandango or Brizongo. Yeah, you have so much stuff yeah. that
0: you could play with. You know what? To, to actually push this story, it would be hilarious if Kurt put Jason Jordan in a kickoff match to get him on the show. <laughs> that would actually strengthen this whole turn that's coming for Jordan where Kurt tells him, I got you a match. You're taking on Elias on the kickoff. Mm, yeah. So that's going to wrap up our show. Uh, so thank you for tuning in um, Wei enjoy the The rest of your week in, in Japan How long are you there in Japan until
1: I'm there for another week
0: Another week yep. wow So you can uh, let us know how the uh, the Tag League show goes on and, and just life in general On Monday when we speak
1: Yeah you'll hear from me from Monday uh, I won't be around next Tuesday For Smackdown because I'll be in the air So. uh have
0: to pre-tape
1: I will yes I'll send my okay. pre tape recording for you to practice.
0: Can't wait. All right, everybody. Uh, you know where to find us. Well, it's a little complicated. We are at John and Way Dot life. That's our temporary home. Um, yeah, that's about it. At I am John Pollock, at Way0937. And follow him on Instagram. I'm seeing all, I feel like I'm in Japan following Way's Instagram. Oh, good. Good. Who's taking all these photos is it your brother
1: yeah he's taking a lot of them yeah tremendous you need a you need an instagram photographer i wonder i'm how's your filter those your, how, i think those exist like do you uh, think that there's
0: people out there who offer their services to follow people around to just take photos of them yeah they're photographers i'll be honest if i, I i'm a guy that I, I keep to myself so when i'm out in public I don't want to just hand my phone to a stranger to take a photo of me with something.
1: Well, I mean, there are selfie sticks for that, which I'd love to see you with at some point, John, now that you're all about Instagram.
0: Very unlikely.
1: Do you, uh, do you filter much? Because I'm looking at your photos. No, you, I, don't, I don't. You don't filter do you? at all. I fil- Filtering is like, half, like 70% of the work. Oh, shit. Well, no, it's, not, I, it's, I it's not just filtering. It's, it's mainly just like photo editing. You know, I feel like that's like, yeah, seventy percent of it. The photo is just the, the raw material. It's editing.
0: Well, I, I don't, I don't want a filter way. I just want the people to see me as is. You know I what? Nothing to hide.
1: I have no. That's hashtag no filter. You're, I, I, I can't hate on that.
0: I am John Pollock on Instagram, folks. I had a, I, I uh, logged in on Tuesday morning, and I just had this insane amount of people that had just started uh, following me. My my growing followers on Instagram, and I was mm-hmm. like, how did all these people find this? And then I realized we talked about this on Monday. That's yeah, the power yeah. of the people way. Okay, Ways had enough of me. We're gonna sign off. Uh, we will chat with you all soon. Uh, enjoy life. It's wonderful.